Welcome, everybody, back to KickServeRadio.com, Tennis on Air with Andy Zoden. I am joined today by Coco Vandeway, who many of you may not have heard much from over the course of the last year or so. I can assure you you're going to be hearing much more from her in 2020. Coco, welcome back to KickServe. It's great to catch up. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Coco, let's talk about the fact that when we've last visited, you were coming off of a win at Indian Wells in the doubles with Bethany. And in the meantime, since we have visited, you semied the Australian Open, lost a tough three-setter to Venus, semied the U.S. Open, had a tough night against Matty Keys, pretty well carried the Fed Cup team to a victory, put them on their on your shoulders and were the superhero that weekend, got to 10 in the world. Suddenly you feel like you've broken your foot. Now it's maybe a stress fracture. And then something comes on called CRPS. How am I doing so far? <laughs> that's, that's pretty spot on. I can't believe it's been that long. It's been a while. Uh, so tell our listeners kind of what's been going on with you the course of the past year with regard to this foot injury and sort of what came on as, as a result and, and kind of where that's put you in your tennis. Sure. Um, so in 2018 in, at Wimbledon, um, I was top 10 in the world and playing and I had hurt my ankle and that dealt with some osteophytes, which is floating, uh, like floating bone fragment in my foot. And I had a little bit of a tendon tear, but no big deal. And I was debating taking a protected ranking um, that July. So when I was going back and forth with my team and trying to figure it out, it turned out that um, I would miss Australia if I took that protected ranking. So I decided, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll play a little bit. Maybe I'll take some uh, injury withdrawals here and there at certain tournaments. But I found out I couldn't do that either because I was top 10 and the WTA has a top 10 rule. So I would be getting fined every week I didn't play. And that fine would turn into a nice little pretty penny that I was not <laughs> quite capable of paying. Imagine so, that, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know who has a couple of easy uh, hundred grand to drop, but it certainly wasn't me. <laughs> right. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll play. I'll play uh, through the rest of the year and see how it goes. And so basically, I'd, I won uh, U.S. Open doubles with Ash, um, but wasn't playing singles since July. If I was playing singles, I was pulling out through uh, midway or um, coming in uh, lame and injured. And so. I was like, okay, I'm just going to shut down my year after finishing in Singapore in the semis with Ash, and I'll, I'll just start up next year um, and get going again. And, you know, my ranking had dropped significantly, not playing since July. I couldn't defend many of the points that I had racked up from the accolades you had described from uh, 2017. And so I was cruising around in the 70s or 80s, and I was like, okay, well, let's let's just give it a try and I was was starting to feel better with my ankle and I played this exhibition in Hawaii just before Christmas, before going to Australia. And I played a match and and before coming into the match, I was like, man, my foot hurts. Like it feels like turf toe. And so I taped it down and was still continuing to tape my ankle from the previous injury in July at Wimbledon. And I woke up the next day and I was limping around and I was like, Oh man, it really hurt. So 
my coach uh, at the time, Pat, was like, all right, take take the day off. You know, it's Hawaii. Let's go enjoy Hawaii. So I, you know, chilled and hung out. Next day, went to sleep, woke up. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't walk. Wow. And I was like, what in the world happened? I called my mom, and it's the day before Christmas. And I said, I think I broke my foot. I don't know how. I can't tell you how, but I think I broke my foot. Like, I got to come home. And Pat had left to England to go spend family time over Christmas. And I flew back to California with my, thankfully, my little sister was there because I had to be wheelchaired out of the hotel. I couldn't even, you know, manage a limp at all. I was just, my foot was screaming in pain at anything touching it. I couldn't have a sock on. Um, My foot, it was, I was, I started the day with my shoe on and had to take it off and managed through the rest of the day and couldn't fit my shoe back on after the flight back from Hawaii. And so I woke up Christmas Day. My mom said, all right, well, let's just open presents and get breakfast, and then I'll take you to the emergency room <laughs> because nothing's going to change in the next couple hours. So right. We, we spent Christmas, and then I spent the rest of Christmas Day in the emergency room waiting for my x-ray results, and they came back negative. Nothing was wrong. And I was like, look at my foot like it's it's the size of a potato like it, it's it's there's something wrong you can't even touch it it's like well i don't see any x-ray like nothing nothing's broken like i got nothing to tell you and i was like well okay fine i gotta i guess i schedule an mri and figure it out so i schedule an mri a couple of weeks later because everything's closed over christmas and new year and so australian open comes and goes i still have no diagnosis of what the heck is going on with my foot and when, by the way you've got quite a few points to defend <laughs> yeah, mildly right. putting it. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, well, there there goes Australia, come and gone. Um, I still have no idea what's going on with my foot, it's, but it's still in the same excruciating pain. And so I was trying everything. I had uh, gone to a doctor to see, since I was in Hawaii, see if they thought maybe I had some sort of foreign body infection going on, um, stepping on coral, you know, who knows? They were just guessing at this point because nothing showed up on the MRI um, and came back that was negative. And when I was seeing the um, doctor for seeing if I had any infections or allergies, uh, he's like, well, I've only seen this two or three other times, but there's this doctor in Stanford that I want you to see. She specializes um, in this diagnosis of CRPS, which is complex regional pain syndrome. And I, it might be this, but I've only seen it two or three times. Like I said, I can't be for sure. So I went up to Stanford and the doctor there was like, yep, that's what we're dealing with here. So I was on nerve blockers for four months and the therapy for CRPS is desensitizing your foot. So my foot is hypersensitive to everything. I couldn't have it on the ground. I couldn't put a bed sheet over it. Oh, goodness. Nothing. So I didn't walk for about four months. Um, so I had total atrophy in my right leg. I lost 10 pounds of muscle in it. Just in that leg. Yeah. Yeah. And so my, my therapy was desensitizing and it was taking foreign objects to my foot, putting it hardwood to a carpet rug, just basically trying to put any sort of weight on it. And it's the therapy is how much pain can you tolerate is what you're going to tolerate. And once your mind catches up, and says, this is okay, that's when the CRPS goes away. So it's not like I can take um, a, sh- a shot or go into surgery or 
uh, take medication. It is basically when my body decides I am okay, it's okay. And the only thing I can do is kind of deaden the nerves, which is what I was doing with the nerve blockers and manage a little bit more pain than um, I would normally be able to. And so that just took time. Indian Wells came and gone. French Open came and gone. (laughs) Wimbledon went away. Like it just tournament after tournament. I'm like, I am relearning how to walk right now. (laughs) And that, that humbling experience of it all. And, you know, the therapy is what it is. I'm not going to bore you with every little thing of, of learning to walk, learning to run, that sort of deal. But once I got back into um, hitting some tennis balls, I finally was able to address the stress fractures that I did have in my foot, which is what set off the CRPS. I had two stress fractures in my foot, and I didn't have surgery because that would just heighten CRPS because you have to freeze your foot in a boot or a cast or something, which is not something you want to do with CRPS. Coco, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I have seen players over the years that have had physical manifestations that have been a result of the stress of the tour, the stress of what's going on in their life, not necessarily even professional athletes, but, uh, but, but in your case, I've seen tennis players that have come up with, with injuries and what, what it sounds like you were saying, the, uh, remedy to what you had was kind of almost like a mind over matter type of situation. And I've seen you play and I know that you're, you're harder on yourself than anybody else. Was there ever anybody that suggested to you that the stress of everything that you're trying to take on right now and who you're trying to be as a player. And once you get to the semis of a major championship, you've probably got number one in the world in your sights. And in your case, that's realistic with your weapons and, and, and the game that you've got. Is, is there any possibility of that? Oh, absolutely. That, that is a full on uh, fact <laughs> that that was told to me by my doctor uh, that I saw in Stanford that, not only playing injured for almost two years, um, but also the stresses of the tour and been doing it since I was 18 years old, um, finally, because it is a central nervous system problem. So you're stressed your body for far too long, and it's basically said it's had enough. And on top of, you know, just general injury of what happens when you're a sports person. But, and that was also part of the rehab was, chilling out, not being stressed. And as as hard as that was, because I, all I want is to get back and to play again. And what was realistic was, let's walk again, right. <laughs> which is crazy to say because it happened overnight. I mean, I went to sleep, I woke up, I couldn't walk. So it wasn't like I had time to mentally prepare. Like I, okay, you know, I hurt myself I can visually see it I can I physically know what happened let's address it and fix it I'd spent so long not knowing how to address it fix it diagnose it that I was sitting in a kind of in a middle ground of no man's land as in tennis terms I didn't know what to do and from being in a professional life I always had a plan a schedule what I'm going to do how I'm going to do it and to be in the basically realm of uh, there's nothing you can do <laughs> was unheard of to me. My guest today on kickserveradio.com is, is former 
and hopefully future top 10 player in the world, Coco Vandeweghe. Coco, you know very well that Craig Carden, who you're back working with again, and I are very, very close friends. And Craig has made the comments to me that he feels like, to some extent, that this whole episode in your life could end up being a blessing in disguise. And you use the word yourself. You talked about how humbling this has been. And Craig feels like because of where you have been with all of this, that you're going to come back in 2020, a far more mature person. And as a result, more mature player because of having gone through the fact that you couldn't even walk, that he feels like he's looking forward to the fact that I think Coco is going to be so happy to be on a tennis court again, that she is going to be able to take what she's been through and really be able to hold it up against where she was just a year ago. And he thinks that that bodes real well for 2020 for you. How do you, how do you feel about that? I I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, interesting to say and I think people in a lot of different sports have been coming out saying it but the mental warfare and toll that it takes on you just to come in and compete for a full year let alone you know get to top 10 like I did I had never been more miserable in personal professional life it was taking a toll everywhere on me I was sad all the time I was you know, not happy to be practicing and not happy to be playing, which is where I relished. I loved playing. Like practices aren't always easy. You're not always going to like them, but I love to play. I love to compete. And that wasn't even fun for me. So it was torture (laughs) to be a little bit dramatic to get out there and be like, all right, I got to suit up and do this all over again. Put your name out on the line, put what you've been working on on the line and, battle against these girls that are trying to take your lunch money, which I was in no mood to do, was miserable doing it, and quite frankly, just very depressed everywhere. And that was impossible for me to overcome in that moment. And you were, I was starting to see my play decline. I was starting to see just overall what I do well decline, and even you know my personal relationships at home decline. And it, you're starting to see it more and more in sport of people coming out and saying, you know, I was at my all-time high, the best in the world, doing X, Y, and Z, but I've never been more miserable and sad in my life. And it was more than true for me. So for me to be out there happy playing again and learning and failing and doing all the things that come along with growing has been a transition that I haven't felt in two years. When we started the segment, Coco, we talked about how the last time we got together, you were coming off of a win with Bethany at Indian Wells when you guys won the doubles there, which was so cool to watch. And we watched Bethany go through an excruciating knee injury at Wimbledon and the way she has fought back and has won multiple majors since then. I know that your relationship with her has got to be something that you have leaned on in going through what you went through. And I got to believe knowing Bethany the way we do that she had to be there for you uh, inspirationally and supportively. And how has that been kind of talking to her throughout all of this? Yeah, yeah. she she definitely has. I mean, Bethany and I are, are friends on and off the court and we'll be friends for life. That's for sure. And, you know, when I was down in my lowest moments of, you know, I'm not playing, I'm not walking. She's sending me photos of her, Olympic medal from Rio and being like, dude, we got to do this. Like Tokyo, get your act together. You know? And here I am being like, I wouldn't even respond to her sometimes being like, all right, whatever. And she still hit me up and, 
and call me and, and, and see what was going on, what I was up to, what shenanigans I was getting into and just being, you know, a normal friend. And, and while she's out there trying to do her own thing out on the tennis tour, which for me, I know the demands of that. So for her to take the time and, and kind of be there for me. And when I really wasn't accepting anyone to be there for me was, was quite fantastic when I finally got back out there to see her and hang out with her one-on-one in person again. All right, so I want to I want to propose something to you, Coco. I know you've got goals for 2020, and I want to get to those in just a minute. But I, I have an idea that I think would be the coolest thing that could possibly happen in women's tennis. Are you ready for this? <laughs> okay. I propose that we set up an exhibition in Las Vegas. It's a big deal. Billie Jean's involved. Back in the day, you probably heard of WrestleMania, where you had like Hulk Hogan and these guys that would set up these big, sort of big cage matches. And I think we should set up Coco Mania. I think it's 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 you and Coco Goff, and you get out there and may the best Coco win. I think that with where you were and where this girl looks like she's going, and she's kind of the the hot it kid right now, and you've been there and done that. And who would have ever thought that you'd come back from you know being gone for a while, and you're like, are you kidding me? There's another Coco out there? No way. <laughs> Well, luckily, luckily for me, I didn't watch any tennis whatsoever, so I didn't even know there was another one out there. I wasn't paying attention to anything tennis-related while I was out. So it was a surprise to me when I got to the U.S. Open. I was like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> like, that Wimbledon um, splash she had, I had no idea how to even happen. I was like, yo, I've been off social media. I haven't done anything. Like, you can count me out in even being somewhat in the know. I was missing out on the gossip of the tour life. <laughs> well, I can tell. I can tell you. I sat there and I thought about it, and I'm like, just as a as, as a tennis fan and a guy that's in the sport, what two women would I want to watch? Just as an exhibition that was set up, that would be mo- sort of more intriguing than the two Cocos. And like, seriously, I couldn't think of a match that would be su- sort of a more fun deal. But, All but, right, but, I'm down. I'm always down for a Vegas trip. My birthday's in December. We might as well just make it a whole deal. Well, I tell you what, I think people would go for that. You should go the 21 and over, Coco, and the under 21. Who do you want to pick and hang out with? Who would have thought <laughs> that you would be the old lady, Coco, in this equation? Seriously, but sorry, is what it is. But all right, so but let's look at 2020 now. You know, I said to Craig Carden, "Is she 100 percent?" And he said. You know, I think she is. I think she's close, probably more physically than mentally. And, you know, the mental side of this thing, the emotional side of this, the confidence in that foot, that's going to be something that's going to evolve over time. Where do you see yourself come the Australian Open? I, I agree with, with Craig on that statement, and that's why I've been playing um, some challenger events and smaller events because I'm, you know, giving myself the – the room to fail, the room to be like, okay, you know, today's not the day to push or, all right, sure. Let's see how far we can go. I have time. Um, and putting, putting my name on the line and, and relearning how to definitely, uh, play again, um, has been a struggle and that's no doubt. And so every day, you know, it's, it's me being, um, communicating well with, with my team around me from the physical therapy department to, you know, tennis and, and gym work and being like, you know, like, for example, yesterday, my foot was killing me. I'd overdone it. It's learning and growing and also, you know, being in those match situations of, of trusting myself to be able to last for two, two out of three sets. And not only that, just being like, okay, I can make these moves, make these cuts and, and not have to worry about myself, um, which is which has still been uh, the hardest part. 
All right, before I let you go, Coco, just answer this question for me, fill in the blank. 2020 will be a successful comeback year for me if what? If I'm happy. That's a great answer. Well, I tell you what, if you're happy, then I know that not just American tennis fans, not just fans of Coco Vandeweghe, but I think tennis fans around the world will be happy because when you're out there competing and when you're out there smiling, you bring so much to the ladies' tour. And I know that I've got a vested interest because of obviously my relationship with your coach and just being a fan of yours. Uh, and I think I represent a lot of tennis fans, millions of them around the world that kind of hope to see you back out there doing what you were doing before this thing happened. So I want to wish you the best of luck uh, throughout the course of the, the balance of 2019 and, and come back and have a strong 2020, will you? Thank you so much. Great having you on KickServeRadio.com. My guest today has been Coco Vandway uh, here on KickServeRadio.com, Tennis on Air with Andy Zoden. As tennis fans uh, across the world watch her come back, we will hope for the best for her for 2020. Coco, thanks a lot. Thanks, Andy. La, 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 la. Now we at the same house party. La, 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 la. If you want to waste time, baby, waste your time with me in California. Hey, baby, waste your time with me in California.